0: hello everyone and welcome back to the computer vision in production podcast show the podcast show where we talk all about everything computer vision from the individual components of the technology including vision cameras and deep learning right through to hearing about some of the most interesting applications that companies are using at the moment Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Computer Vision in Production podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Kelly. Today's guest is Stefan Vogel. Stefan is a computer vision engineer at vision.ai at DB Systel. Uh, Stefan, great to have you on the show.
1: Yeah, hello, Anthony. Thanks for having me.
0: Great, great story here, if anyone's listening who attends the uh, the meetup events, I noticed Stefan was regularly attending the meetups and I just reached out to him and said, hey, look, I see you attend a lot of the events. How about you jump on the podcast?
1: Right. I really enjoyed your uh, meetups. Uh, yeah, thanks for organizing them.
0: No, no problem. No problem. I, I like to keep things going. But yes, so look, Stefan, I suppose to kick into the podcast, I suppose, before we go into anything about DBC style, why don't you give us a bit of an overview on your background and, you know, what sort of got you into computer vision? Yeah, yeah,
1: sure. Um, Actually, I really started, uh, I I did a computer vision um, bachelor 25 years back in the mid 90s, back then i specialized in in computer graphics as it was named then and uh, at that time um, there was only one lecture uh, with uh, artificial intelligence at the university so um, yeah i guess it was one of the ai winters in the mid 90s after that i uh, yeah i really lost the point of computer vision or computer graphics i started doing work as a consultant and doing that for around 20 years, mainly in the area of data warehousing and yeah, big data, I would say, even if it uh, wasn't named big data then. Yeah, and four years, uh, from uh, four years back, I started at DBSystel as a data scientist And uh, some colleagues had the idea of doing artificial intelligence analytics, visual, yeah, visual analysis. Because, yeah, well, the Deutsche Bahn has lots of cameras, lots of images, and um, there are lots of manual processes around these images. So they had the idea of being able to automate part of this. And I said, well, that combines uh, the missing artificial intelligence part from back in the university and my computer vision uh, interest. And yeah, then we got into this. Um, the um, DB Sistel has some yeah interesting, yeah, the, the, the Skydeck. This is some kind of innovation lab. And um, they have a program called Accelerator, where you can, uh, where every employee can pitch an idea. Who he, what he thinks is worth, yeah, pitching. And yeah, we we pitched the idea. We got accepted to the program, and the program is for, yeah, three months. And in these three months, you have to find a customer who is willing to pay for your idea and for uh, some kind of product and uh, or, or prototype. So you have to develop yeah a basic prototype of your idea to uh, to finish this program. And after these uh, three months, um, yeah, all the customers of the different groups are gathered around and uh, will say if this is some idea worth going on with or not. And so we yeah, we were founded as a venture in in Da uh, venture is, no, no, we are not kind of a startup where, uh, yeah, we have some kind of startup culture, but uh, we are still just uh, yeah, a normal department, I would say. What is a bit different is that we um, don't have to be um, lucrative from uh, the start off. So uh, because, I mean, TBC still knows that uh, starting in some kind of new topic uh, with Especially in in the artificial intelligence area, uh, you you have to yeah you have to start and uh, you don't get immediately some some uh, economically worthwhile projects. So uh, we are sponsored. While we have to make a business plan, yeah. And so we started in two thousand eighteen with 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 vision AI. Right.
0: Yeah. It's really. Really cool, really cool. And look, it's great to see companies like, you know, Deutsche Bahn looking at creating these ventures to look at computer vision problems. I mean, particularly that it started four years ago as well is is even better, right?
1: Yeah, so it has has been a long journey, um, especially, you know, starting with the topic of of, of vision analytics. It's even hard in in Deutsche Bahn to get to... uh, To be known uh, that that uh, there are some experts uh, who are able to do that so um, even if we are an internal venture we have to do some kind of marketing and so on and we and the first years we really struggled to find our our focus Uh, i mean there were lots of ideas there were we did a lot of proof of concepts Uh, there are really a lot of images around we analyzed images from drones aerial images uh, diagnostic cameras and so on and um, yeah we are only currently a team of uh, 13 14 people after one or two years we really felt overwhelmed with the p- potential use cases that were, that were around so um, and and we couldn't cope with all these kind of different. Yeah, analytic styles. I mean, with with uh, thirteen people, you cannot do everything regarding computer vision because it's a really vast field. So we, yeah, we tried to focus on on the maintenance of yeah of the Deutsche Bahn assets. That was really a good thing. So we can, uh, yeah, we can focus our work and can focus our uh, our ideas and uh, specialize a bit in this direction.
0: Excellent. I know you mentioned Deutsche Bahn had, you know, created this to look at problems. But, you know, if we look at it from an early stage, what was the ideation of it? You know, initially, what sort of data were you coming in to look at? What sort of problems were you coming in to look at? Or was it, hey, here's a clean slate. You guys just go and and build what it is you need to do uh, or where you think we can have a product?
1: Yeah, the original idea was... Indeed, to uh, as as uh, someone who is not in depth in Deutsche Bahn knows, there are several stations and there are several uh, surveillance cameras. So we thought, and, and there are really people looking at the camera at the at the video streams um to to check if everything is okay. And we thought, well, that that would be a good field to yeah to let the people focus on the important aspects and to let the AI do some. the the boring part uh, if nothing happens for example to to filter this out it turns out that getting access to these uh, video streams is uh, due to data restrictions and data security long story short we didn't get access in the last four years uh, at a single image and uh, we 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 dumped the idea um, of analyzing streams of surveillance cameras and i think that's that was a good uh, decision to do that because uh, there are some standard products out there, and um, we really concentrate now on 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 specific, yeah, Deutsche Bahn or or uh, rail railway uh, specific problems. Yeah, that's our focus in in in, in the Deutsche Bahn context as
0: Vision AI. Yeah, good cool. because you know it's actually funny you mentioned the, the railway products because obviously one thing you look at things that Deutsche Bank could possibly implement is, right. you know, data that Jews would have around your platforms, around people boarding the trains, you know, you actually have a lot of data, but it's, it's people's, I go, guess it's personal data, right? When it's, when it's people right. walking from surveillance cameras, I use limited can use, can't use that data to, you know, maybe look at new products
1: yeah um, we are, since since the beginning we had the idea of developing some kind of product which uh, helps us and our customers so um currently we are in the state of developing um ida it's called it's the intelligent digital assistant and uh, we yeah we soon recognized that our customers have already problems with handling their image data you know the most uh, usual process of transferring images is to send some hard disks via uh, with a post so uh, usually they lay around in some group shareware, uh, share where share SharePoint uh, place uh, so we built EDA to to manage this data and to attach some kind of uh, possibility to learn yeah, AI models from from these images and uh, yeah regarding the surveillance cameras uh, even though we didn't get into this uh, we still have the problem of uh, being yeah cameras uh, being put up in maintenance halls for example and there always might be someone uh, uh, stepping into the field of view of the camera so we always have the issue of needing to anim- uh, anonymize uh, the data even if it's a employees of Deutsche Bahn, which are on the images, but it's personal data. And so the data security and data restrictions are are there and we have to cope with that. So, uh, yeah, even even when we are specialized on Bahn, Deutsche Bahn assets, uh, we still have to do some general kind of artificial intelligence, uh, like anonymization.
0: yeah. I mean, that's that's really cool because I actually I did actually host a meetup in the Berlin uh, DB Sistel office at Potsdamer Platz. And ah, I know good. I know you just have a couple of cool things there. Obviously, you know, there's some gadgets. There was the employee face recognition software uh, that you ah, had there um, we as well. as forward. Yeah. And then the. Um, the self-solving Rubik's queue was, was my favorite, to be honest.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's in the, the, the Skydeck, right? In the Berlin Skydeck.
0: Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really, really cool. Yeah, right. Yeah. I have to say, really, really great location as well. Um, so I suppose, look, when we talk about the Vision, Vision.ai team, you've been obviously working then on on building proof of concepts that you can actually introduce in DB and and we talked we spoke about two you know one being the snow camera one being for train maintenance, I suppose. Yeah. Look, if we start off as snow camera, you know, very basic. A lot of people listening might even want to know, say, hey, what what the hell do you need a snow camera for, right? <laughs> I suppose. Right. Why don't you tell us the reasoning behind it and and what it was brought in to do and what it does?
1: Yeah, the, I mean, actually, the snow camera was the first project we did uh, in the in the accelerator program. This was our first customer and yeah if you think uh, i wouldn't have make uh, sense of the uh, sense of this use case but uh, in fact it does make sense so um the uh, deutsche bahn has several stations which are well very small and uh, there are not any employees around so in the winter when you uh, you know it snows and you have to check if the platform is clear of snow so someone drives there because the Yeah, as we all know, the weather forecasts are not so reliable. So someone uh, goes there to clear the snow, but uh, when he arrives, he sees there is no snow. Or the other way around, Uh, there is snow and nobody uh, sees it and and the customers are in in danger of of, uh, slipping and so on. So they had the idea of putting up the cameras and checking like a remote eye, it's called, uh, to view on on very distinct uh, stations if if there are snow it's, it's on the platform and you can imagine if uh, there is uh, several cameras up there and uh, you have lots of videos or or images it's it's a boring task and they haven't planned anyone to do this uh, to look at the cameras all day so they searched for a way to automate this and uh, this was indeed our first project to uh, build an ai checking for snow on the platform. And that was really, uh, yeah, I mean, for one thing, it was really easy. It was a simply classification of uh, is there snow, snow or not. And it, it was a good starting project because it was, yeah, I mean, the cameras were fixed and, and the conditions were nearly always the same. And detecting snow or not was, yeah, well, really easy, even though, uh, snow is not that easy as one might think it's not always white right <laughs> it's not sometimes it's yellow but uh, to leave the joke aside uh, it, it depends on the lightning conditions even uh, especially if it gets dark and so on so it it wasn't so easy it was the right uh, you know challenge for us to take in the in the meantime we Go on to more maintenance part, and I mean the process of maintenance in in Deutsche Bahn is really time-consuming, and and um, it, it's a manual process. And
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, I suppose look, just for me to get an understanding as someone who's a user and hasn't looked at things, I suppose in in your level, right? When you talk about maintenance, you're talking about tracks, trains, um, stations. You're talking about any sort of infrastructure then that supports. The train also, right? It could be tunnels. It could be, you know, overhanging possible right. cables. So you know, when it says train maintenance, it's it's not just a case of you know making sure a train's engine is okay, right? Uh,
1: yeah, right. Uh, Deutsche Bahn has lots of assets and infrastructure, right? Uh, we are concentrating a bit on the on the rail and and train part, uh, leaving tunnels and so on aside, but uh, all that's already a lot of stuff that must be maintained and uh, as an outside person you don't guess how how often these trains have to be checked and you know the security is is really high and i mean that's that's a good thing so uh yeah the the trains have to get very often into the maintenance um and yeah while they are in in the maintenance hall they cannot transport people or goods so uh this is some kind of, I would say, wasted time. And yeah, it's the maintenance in itself is, is manual. And what's more a point is that Deutsche Bahn is really in need for experts doing this kind of inspection. And the, well, the idea is that someone who checks, let's say, for an, an ICE or, or some train, it, it takes a lot lot of time to to look at all the parts, and I would say at least 80% of the parts are really boring because everything is totally fine and there is not anything which is not okay on that. And um, the idea is to to automate this part of the 80%, which are totally okay, and let the expert focus on these parts, which are maybe not uh, so okay, or which are critical or whatever, so you can do an ai model which will detects all these i would say boring parts of of the uh, inspection step and on the train or on the tracks and just shows the 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 critical part or where the ai is unsure or uh, yeah where there are some kind of problems to the expert who can then decide if it's if it's okay or if there has to be something done
0: so I suppose, look, the types of models I would suspect you're using in that is, you know, uh, object detect- detection, image classification, anomaly detection.
1: Yeah, right. Um, as we started, we we only got these. Yeah, you know, the typical uh, models like classification, especially it's now for, for snow or object detection and and segmentation. For, for example, for our graffiti detection on the trains, uh, we do segmentation models. But um, for finding, yeah, in the maintenance, you know, there is not some kind of standard damage you can detect with object detection because, well, we, we don't have any, uh, we really don't have any images of uh, of damages. So even though um, the maintenance is done, there is it is really seldom that there is some kind of broken part on it. And even if, if we have some images of damage, I mean, we cannot train an AI on that because, well, we uh, we cannot restrict the damage, uh, all kind of damages might appear, so uh, uh, we cannot train on them. So, yeah, we, we switched to outlier detection or, or anomaly detection. And, yeah, that's a field which is, I think, currently really developing. I, I saw lots of papers in the last half year, and even though it is it sounds um, easy. It's really challenging because, well, we humans have some good understanding and context of what is a broken part or what is uh, which part is is okay. Uh, even though we don't even have, uh, we we haven't even seen this part. Maybe we we uh, yeah we we are presented with a completely new part which we haven't seen but we can uh, decide and, and uh, judge if it is okay, or if it is broken. And this context is, well, it's, it's missing in, in the AI models. So we have to train on lots of images which are okay, uh, which doesn't show any damage and have to find well, the anomalies. Usually I we see. are doing the yeah, autoencoder um, models but there are current new developments which might be interesting as well I mean it it also depends on the, on the current use case. for example, for um, there are some some flexible parts on on the train like like cables or or whatever, and these flexible parts you cannot really detect anomalies with uh, an auto encoder because. Well, these reconstruction approach of these auto encoders uh, don't allow you to have flexible parts uh, which are all over the image. You know, this cable is all over the image and so everything is normal. And so you cannot detect if it is a, a normal or, or a missing cable. Yeah, OK, it's really a challenge. Yeah,
0: yeah, it can be quite can be quite hard to detect. As you mentioned it exactly yourself, you know, you just don't have the data set there Already, right. you know, if you had a data set of everything that could go wrong, fantastic, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, fantastic for us. For, I mean, for, for Deutsche Bahn, it's, uh, it's really good that they don't have so much damage. Uh, True. But uh, yeah. Chicken and egg, right? Chicken and egg.
0: Right. <laughs> right, right, right. I suppose, look, when we're talking about taking these proof of concepts and bringing them into production, you know, you've got. Two good examples there, but let's face it. We know it's not so simple to go from research to production. There's, there's a lot of challenges and, you know, we've outlined a couple that we can just touch on here, you know, from previous. And I suppose one I'd actually quite be interested in hearing from you about because you're at Deutsche Bahn is, is processes, you know, before we go into anything, what's, what's it like trying to go through the the Deutsche Bahn processes or does Vision AI uh, get this, get to skip the queue with the innovation budget?
1: yeah we i mean we have the luck as a venture we are a bit uh, yeah more flexible and the processes are a bit more flexible but uh, yeah we we already uh, recognize it's kind of difficult to get access to to gpu uh, computing resources well, uh, because at, at that time it was quite new to have uh, these expensive uh, GPUs, which are used for gaming, you know, uh, we had to uh, answer some critical questions what we want to do with our gaming uh, PCs, um, but getting things in production is one of the, I, I would say, major hurdle, um, I think not only at Deutsche Bahn, but at under other companies as well. Uh, it's and and it's not difficult because of the technical part i mean well that's challenging as well to get a, a system into production which is reliable and which can be maintained uh, that's also challenging but there are enough products which are uh, yeah which can be used and and i think this problem is somehow solved uh, the real challenge is to um yeah adapt the the workflow of 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 people and this is usually a thing we don't or we haven't talked about in the proof of concept you know there someone has a has an idea for for a use case for example checking uh, the trains for graffiti he uh, hangs up a camera to uh, to film the the, the trains and he, uh, already that is some kind of uh, challenge because well the data security and and data privacy part has to be solved there. But then, yeah, we have to put in, uh, we develop some kind of uh, AI model, which detects maybe graffiti or some broken parts. And the proof of concept shows that the results are really good and, and uh, the customer is satisfied. And now we want to go the, to the next step. And now you think about what, what will happen if the model is in production. So uh, what what happens if the AI does some kind of false prediction? Uh, who is responsible for that and uh, who is there to check if the model is still okay? You know, if you have some model drift, who uh, is able to to detect this? And uh, at which level do you want to make checks that everything is fine with the AI? This this is something completely different from normal software development where you, yeah, you know, you you install the software and it makes some kind of work and it does that reliable and every time the same so and the only thing you have to care about is some change requests or bug fixing and so on but uh, i would say i i look at the ai more like not like a software product but more like some kind of trainee or some little child expert which has to be, yeah, which has to be retrained after a while. I mean, your trainees will be trained as well. You know, so that's why why they are there. And you have to somehow care about this. Uh, so this is a completely different um, uh, workflow, you might yeah. think. And uh, the responsibilities are completely different uh, from the software provider where you say, I'm responsible that the f- software works as it should you give the uh, the customer kind of a model and the customer is responsible for the results that uh, the model produces you can do as best as you can to produce reliable predictions from the ai but there is always some amount of of uh, yeah uh, uh, unsureness, and and this has to be handled you know and this is where the customer comes into uh, place and has to set up some kind of checks and some kind of responsible persons who looks after the results and and checks them and this is the most difficult part
0: yeah so look that's that's one one topic that we mentioned as well and i suppose something else i would like to just run by you as well is you also talked about you kind of touched on it there, but the skill shortages. So it's it's someone to man each part of the technology. And you know, that can really depend on business to business and how everyone is setting up to use different environments. You know, you hear stuff like ML ops, you hear all yeah. these all these fancy, you know, full stack machine learning engineer. Um, so when we talk about actual skill shortages, what what do you see that as within an environment? Do you see it being maybe Maybe someone that does have that full stack capabilities or that ML ops, you know, what's what's the what's the big one for you?
1: Yeah, I mean there is some skill shortage not only in the AI field but I would say <laughs> everywhere. Um, we have we really have the luck uh, at Vision AI, and I mean it's supposed from um, DB Systems that all the teams should be able to provide everything by themselves they are i mean each department is some kind of like its own closed uh, team which sh- should be able at least to do all the parts uh, which are needed so we have some kind of yeah ml ops engineers and some ai engineers and some uh, yeah uh, marketing uh, people and and uh, business uh, that, yeah uh, business engineers so all people are in place to Really be able to push this topic forward, but uh, and we are really lucky that uh, we don't have so much. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean everybody at the team in uh, the team is is quite happy to to work uh, at this innovation uh, and 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 this this topic. So we don't have many people which are leaving us. So we can keep the skills but it's really hard to find new ones uh so we are searching for um, ai engineers and and ml ops engineers but it's it's really hard to find
0: yeah anyone who is
1: good you know there aren't any people who have 10 years of experience in that field that well <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's quite, uh, quite new. That's, that's definitely, uh, definitely for sure as well. A lot of these technologies, and I suppose it really depends on who you ask. You know, a lot of people say ML Ops is a way of developing. So is it actually a skill or is it, is it something like a new form of agile? You know, I think, I think a, a lot of it is yet to be discovered. You know, some companies are doing it completely different than others
1: right it's it's a moving field and, and i mean each day or each week and month there are some kind of new things out there which uh, yeah yeah i think we have redeveloped lots of things in the past uh, few years because well the 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 models get better the the support of different products for putting things in production gets better and the whole thing changes. I mean, from going to local on-premise machines to to cloud and to yeah containerization and so on. So there's a lot for experts to know about.
0: Yeah, nice. And then I suppose the next one I wanted to ask you about. We kind of touched it on it earlier in the start, but you know, there's obviously challenges when it comes to looking to build any sort of computer vision product. Um and I mentioned it earlier on about how you would almost expect the type of products that you guys could could build. And that was stuff involving, you know, personal data. Uh but obviously the challenges of that is data anonymization. So I suppose from a from an early set, where did you see the challenges with, you know, data privacy and how has that actually restricted you now in terms of where you've where you's got stopped maybe mid-project or you got stopped in ideation stage or even right even now till today?
1: the the uh, kind of personal data and having image uh, having people on images uh, really struck from from early stages on um, I mean having images from from aerial images or or from from drones and mobile cameras yeah there's always a chance or even the snow camera you know there might be people or there should be people on the on the platform and um, Deutsche Bahn has or I think Germany has real restricted data regulations and uh, you you are not allowed to pass any images which show people if if these are employees or customers doesn't matter these uh, images are personal data and so they have to be secured and uh, anonymized one thing is that um you, you know even if you store uh, i mean uh, let's say the snow camera it uh, yeah the, the images are uploaded to a central server where they are stored and you have to be really sure that nobody can look at these images and i'm not quite sure but you are not even allowed to store these images when there are people on it so you have to convert or anonymize them on the fly and um depending on i mean it, it wasn't a problem with the snow camera because we only got a, an image every 10 or 15 minutes but if you got a video stream you have to put in some really hardware resources to compute it, uh, this kind of stuff and it might also be that some kind of uh, yeah on the transport level there might be someone sneaking at the images and uh, is able to detect uh, the people on it so currently we are really moving to yeah to the edge and to exactly this anonymization part on on edge devices so that only these images are uh, sent over sent sent over the cable to uh, to the central server which are already uh, anonymized and even then well you have to uh, clarify uh, the the one or uh, yeah, 0.1% of the of the cases where the person is not detected from the AI. And uh, there might be someone on the image which might be detectable. Uh, So someone also has to check these, uh, these parts. Yeah. And uh, that's, uh, that is, uh, again, something I mentioned with the, uh, you know, the change production workflow. Uh, someone has to take take some statistical uh, parts of the images and, and check if, if they're OK. And yeah. yeah, that's a completely new workflow.
0: I suppose. And then the next one is, is you know, when you're looking at anonymizing these, if you do want to use it, you know, you can, you can blur the person, you can blur the face, you can use GANs to give them a, a fake generated face. But, you know, right. obviously to go down the road of GANs is expensive, requires lots of skills, lots of time, lots of money. And then if right. you go down the blurred road and you're trying to build a product for humans, it will never work because humans in real life are not blurred.
1: <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I mean, we, we started blurring these people uh, with a white rectangle just to to simply uh, just yeah blurring them out. And, yeah, you know, if, if you put the... Uh, snow analysis uh, after the anonymization step, and you got lots of people on the platform and they are all blurred out white. Well, you got snow, right? So uh, you have to be really sure that you can detect everything after you anonymize. L- luckily, in the maintenance part, that's not that critical because usually uh, cameras are positioned p- p- on places where usually there are no people, for example, on the roof of. Uh, uh, on the maintenance hall to to make photos of the roof of, of the train, and, um, well, then you don't have any people standing around there.
0: Yeah, no, I know. And then I suppose just uh, another topic that, you know, was quite challenging uh, to make the change from as well, I suppose, not only anonymizing data, but you know, you've moved away from object detection and then you've moved more towards, you know, having models focused around anomaly detection. Um, I suppose what was that like in terms of making that switch, in terms of, you know, doing the research and mm. know, in terms of, you know, trying to go to production, even?
1: yeah I mean, we we were always kind of eager to do some research. and I mean, um, there are no ready to use products out there, and I think it will be some, yeah some time until there are standard products to detect, yeah, especially uh, damages on trains because, well, this is not something you can buy off the shelf. Um, so we, yeah. We, we we find out that i mean object detection is some kind of uh, usual model architecture and and some kind of usual workflow you can do you you know how the training phase works and and so on and, and we developed some kind of pipelines for that to to standardize this um, kind of projects and to be more efficient in uh, in anomaly detection i think the, one one of the main challenges is that it's not like object detection, always the same, but it really, uh, and it heavily depends on the data you got. Uh, it depends if the if the objects are moving, if the camera is moving, or uh, what kind of objects do you have? How fine are the details uh, you want to detect and how fine are the, the, the damages? For example, some, some cracks on, on some parts might be only half a millimeter or, or even thinner. Can you detect this with some kind of anomaly detection, where there is also some dirt on on these parts, and 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 uh, I don't know rain or whatever, uh, and they get yeah dirty uh, or used up, and and yeah you have to distinguish between some kind of scratches which are from from usage and which are uncritical, to some cracks which are really dangerous because the part may break. And yeah. so, this is for each use case, it's kind of, yeah. Uh, yeah, you have to decide in which way you want to go with the anomaly detection. And that makes it a
0: bit challenging and, yeah, also interesting. <laughs> nice. If we're talking about I'm moving towards the future now after this, what do you see, and I, I hate to kind of say this question, you know, the future of computer vision in the public transport industry? Because, yeah, look, do you know what, it's it's so easy to say, oh, autonomous driving vehicles, self-driving buses, right. you know, you know um, but in reality, you know, we could be 10, 20, 30 years before we see that. I suppose right. as an immediate impact, you know, if we're talking short term, where do you see computer vision? being used maybe not maybe not even at db but you know what other businesses that you've even seen saying yeah do you know mm-hmm. what these guys are going to do something
1: yeah i think or maybe i would say <laughs> i hope <laughs> that um you know the um yeah i mean we we, we humans are kind of of uh, yeah vision animals i mean uh, more than i would say, i think 80 percent or so of of our information we gather with our eyes and with our vision system so there are a lot of tasks uh, surrounding these uh, yeah visual inspection or visual maintain maintenance and and uh, i think that's not only the part at deutsche Bahn but everywhere because yeah we, we humans are a visual uh, so, there is a lot of demand uh, to being able to uh, automate this kind of task, or at least parts of it. A- and I l- like to uh, compare it a bit with the, um, you know, Henry Ford, who, who uh, invented the assembly line, which uh, makes some kind of the, the, the construction of the car more automated. And it was not that the assembly line completely removed every uh, manual step which is done by a human but these tasks which are really hard and heavy and and boring and and so on and there are still some people at the assembly line who looks after the processes and 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 do some things uh, with this uh, with the construction and i think this kind of assembly line uh, is moving to these kind of parts where somebody is doing visual inspection and who looks at parts to check if they are okay and these people are still needed and these people are really experts and have yeah talked to to lots of them and they are really expert they are doing this job for 20 years and they they know which parts can break and they know exactly what what is happening there uh, but there are kind of overwhelmed with yeah let's say 80 of of boring and and tedious work which doesn't need their expertise so um yeah i I would think this this might be a really good case to put in some kind of assembly line for uh, vision related tasks whatever that might be This, uh, this might be some kind of person doing some kind of inspection but it might also be some kind of people checking for uh, images uh, for some photo platform or or whatever, or or checking invoices or or whatever. Everything which is visual can be in parts at least uh, automated. And I think this will be some kind of development where yeah, these experts which are there can concentrate on the parts that really need their expert knowledge. But yeah, not the parts which are, you know, which can be done by some kind of uh, trainee <laughs> or the AI yeah. system.
0: No, I know. That's that's really good. Um, I know, look, obviously in, in Europe, we obviously have GDPR regulations. But, I mean, do you think we will ever get to a stage where, you know, we're talking... We're talking face detectors before you get onto a train and it just automatically links to your account. (laughs) Maybe not in Europe in the immediate future, but I mean, it's not something that's that's impossible, you know, in the next couple of years. Right. I mean, we've got we've got face detection. All you have to do is link it to an account. You know, there's companies doing that with canteens for, you know, if you're if you work for a big company. Uh, they link it to your ID card, which holds your face, match your face up in the canteen. Hey, you took a you took a hamburger for lunch, <laughs> yeah. five euro. And that's that's happening right yeah. now, right? So, I mean, what difference is it bringing it into public transport to scan people's faces who are jumping on and off the train?
1: Yeah, right. I mean, this is kind of some, some frightening vision, uh, <laughs> you know. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure. I, I mean...
0: You'll it never, might get, the, it you'll might never not get caught. You'll always get caught not paying for the train. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs>
1: I, I think for the next years, it is quite impossible because, uh, as you mentioned, the uh, GDP um, restrictions are there. And, and they are, in fact, they are a good thing uh, up to some kind of level. So um, this is not an – I mean, n- nobody will have the idea of uh, – detecting faces of customers at Deutsche Bahn, I think. Yeah. Uh, the prototype you saw at, at the Skydeck was uh, to to raise some kind of awareness and to uh, have some discussion about that because, well, uh, initially it has all all the p- public profile pictures of DB system uh, employees from... from
0: uh, I think it was LinkedIn, if I from LinkedIn. right. From LinkedIn, yeah, right. I think so, yeah. And...
1: Um, uh, only one image, is, image was enough to, to detect those people with, I think, uh, 80% correctness. And, uh, yeah, that was really surprising even for me how good this thing works. I mean, this is not simply uh, detecting peoples and faces and identifying them. You have to have an infrastructure which uh, which is not quite there. And I think this is the, the biggest uh, hurdle to take. You don't have any cameras uh, at this uh, you have lots of cameras at the station but not cameras to detect faces and and uh, you have to have an infrastructure from, from hardware which is quite painfully to set up and quite expensive uh, you have to handle all these data streams and uh, if you think about uh, having a camera on a train you have to transfer all these uh, video data to uh, yeah to some kind of, of server and and it's in the transportation industry it's it's really hard you don't have a fixed point where you can locate people like in a in a company where you put the camera over the entrance door you know and then you can take pictures of all the people uh, leaving and then coming in yeah deutsche bahn has thousands of kilometers of of tracks and and thousands of of stations and i mean only thinking of it and putting up cameras everywhere is is kind of a silly idea. You know, there are better parts to put in the money <laughs> as in, course. In, in this one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, you know, it's just, it's just really cool to, uh, to think about, you know, it's one less reason to, to reduce something from the customer, right? To have to go and get a ticket from the machine. Um, that's, that's kind of what I was, I was more so thinking, you know, it's making, making things more efficient for consumers. But anyway, Stefan, I do think that just takes us up to time. So look, thank you for being such a a great guest. It was it was great to have you on the show Um, for everyone listening. This is the computer vision in production podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Kelly. Today's guest was Stefan Vogel, who is a computer vision engineer at Vision.ai with Deutsche Bahn Sistel. Stefan, thanks again. Thank you, Anthony. It was a pleasure.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of the computer vision in production podcast with your host anthony kelly to make sure you get updates on the latest episodes of the show make sure you subscribe on your preferred podcast listening app or add me on linkedin